Hey, it's Kathy. I have something so fun to tell you about. You may know that the doors are open to my new program, The Abundance Method, but if you enroll by May 15th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific, you're going to get my signature business program also made to do this. That's a $3,000 program that you are going to get for free included if you sign up by May 15th, just before midnight Pacific time. Made to do this is a phenomenal program that has helped thousands of souls to start businesses, to be able to make a living doing something that they love. This is an incredible deal. You don't want to miss it. Go ahead and sign up at kathyheller.com slash join. The anger, jealousy, all of those things, it is a toxin in your body and write them all out, write a letter to the person, burn it after it. You know, it's kind of all that same mentality, but writing from the other person's perspective is brilliant because there's empathy there. There's understanding or whatever it may be, and it helps release it out of you. Hey, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the podcast. We have a great episode today. Before we dive in, I just want to let you know about something that is really cool. My program, Abundant Ever After, is here right now on pre-sale. And this is going to change your relationship with money. And it's so important because we spend a lot of time focused on what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And while we have conversations on this show about what we do in business, and we've talked to almost 700 entrepreneurs, we also recognize that there is a subconscious mind. And it's been proven that we we are unconscious of how this subconscious mind is actually running the show in our life. And it doesn't have to be another day like this, another week like this, another year like this, where you continue to feel that you're like running as if you're in a dream, you're running, but you can't move. Like you are always feeling like that feeling of abundance is out of reach. That doesn't need to happen anymore. It's incredible how when we change the way we think about things, the things actually change. When we make more space, when we completely rewire our subconscious mind, how it actualizes in our life. So this program is going to give you life. It's going to make you feel so different, so expansive. And it's just been incredible to see the results and how people are coming through this and and how it's changing their life. If you want to get in right now, it's on presale. And so you get it on a discount and this will make a difference for how 2023 will go and how the rest of this year will go. You can grab your spot at kathyheller.com slash join and you can begin right away. Today, you're in for a treat because Rachel Bilson is here. She's an actress that you probably recognize from the hit show, The O.C. She played Summer Roberts, but she's also been in other awesome shows and movies like The Last Kiss, Jumper, Nashville, Heart of Dixie, The To-Do List, Life Happens, New York, I Love You. And lately, she added a podcast to her long list of accolades. She actually hosts two podcasts, including Welcome to the O.C. Bitches with her O.C. co-star, Melinda Clark. 
If you are a fan of that show, you're going to love that podcast. And Rachel also co-hosts the podcast Broad Ideas. This is with her longtime best friend, Olivia Allen. And over there, they're having really huge conversations about everything from mental health to sex to their belief or lack thereof and things like ghosts, just everything. And it's like sitting down with your two best friends to have a casual conversation. She's had great people on like Bobby Burke, Kristen Bell, Mandy Moore, Aubrey Plaza, Zoe Deschanel. Go check that out. Today, we're going to talk about what it was like for her to be thrown into the spotlight, her experience reflecting back on that time period. We're going to talk about a really important conversation that she had on her podcast with two sisters who were involved in the bling ring. They actually robbed her house. We're going to talk about that. The fact that she was willing to even have that conversation out in the open is such a testament to Rachel's incredibly deep capacity to empathize with other people and forgive. And she's really down to earth, really humble. It was such a joy to have her here. Without further ado, please welcome the phenomenal Rachel Bilson. Rachel, I'm so happy that you came on. Thanks for joining me. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) This is really fun because I've grown up kind of watching you as most people have who have uh, a television and you're so lovable and beautiful like you're oh super you're super pretty but you're really you're really kind and likable which is like that's just a nice surprise when that happens and it's now so you're sweet. well it's just really true i just tell the truth and now you're podcasting a lot in addition to all the other things which i really like cuz people get to have that intimacy with you so i want to talk about all of that. But before we talk about all of that, I want people to know a little bit about who you were before we knew you, before you were in the public eye. So when did you first even think, I want to say things and be in front of the camera and all of that stuff? You know, it's so funny because like, as I've gotten older, like I hate attention on myself. I'm always like, if I had an actual wedding, I'd have a panic attack before I walked down the aisle. Cause like, I'm like, I don't want people looking at me. I don't love that. But as a kid, like I was committed to being sleeping beauty in my living room and singing the song and carrying the basket and wearing a shawl because yes. that was just, that's who of I was. Of course you were. Yeah. And ironically, my daughter, her name is the original in the fairy tale. Her name is Briar Rose. It was sort of coincidentally, but yeah. So I started out, like I always loved performing, but my parents were like, I'm going to be in school. I'm going to be a kid, you know? And then after that, if I want to try it, I can. And it's not like I always knew I wanted to act. I definitely wanted to sing, which I was way too afraid of. And I just wanted to be Sleeping Beauty. So those were my main things or any Disney princess, really. Like that was my forte. Of course. So any Disney princess song, like that was my jam. But yeah, so after... I did theater in high school and after my senior play, which is kind of funny because I did the crucible and Rami Malek and I were the leads in it. And he was always so phenomenal as an actor. And, uh, my dad after the play was like, you're kind of good at this. Do you want to like do it? And I was like, Fuck yeah, man. No. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, uh, I do love it. So that's kind of how it started. That is so cool. And it's always so fun when we have actors on and they were friends with other actors before you were all <laughs> known. And it's really, Jenna Fisher was saying like Jason Siegel like lived in the apartment next door and they would just shoot stuff on their iPhones. No way. And, yeah. Um, so cool. It's just fun to hear that part. So then what happened? Like, what was the first moment where you're like standing on a set and you're like, this is surreal. This is my life. And this is so big. <laughs> this is so the thing. 
that you know, I, I think wanted like to do. The first job you could say that I booked was a commercial for Raisin Bran Crunch. And I had to dance for like 12 hours straight and you only saw my butt in the commercial. But I remember like being so sore after, so tired, but like it was my first real paycheck. I mean, I was a hostess at a restaurant, but like very short-lived anyway, (laughs) but it was my first real paycheck. And I did the thing and I was like, oh my God, like I did this. And then I just kept, and I was doing commercials for a while. And that was more like, okay, getting used to just doing the thing. And, you know, my family is in the entertainment business. So I grew up around it. My dad, writer, director, you know, things like that. So I I had been on sets and things. So um, that was an advantage because it wasn't like this crazy foreign place. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, cool. I'm at work. And that was really nice. But yeah, that was the first job was Raisin Bran Crunch in my butt. And you did so many other things, you know, between now and Raisin Bran. And (laughs) obviously one of the biggest things people know you from is being on that one show. That one show. Yeah. Um, but that was, remember, <laughs> I, yeah, what was it called? But what was that experience like for you? And what do you think made the OC so popular? Because there are so many shows and then yeah. there's a few that really like land with people. I think it's like, you know, it was a formula of Josh Schwartz being so smart and amazing with his writing and his vision. And then all of the actors that he cast in the roles and the chemistry that was there it was sort of just like all of it coming together created this thing. And I have yet to find another thing like that specifically, but it was so unique and so special and it was so smart how it was written. And the characters were just, it was a lot of fun and we had so much fun doing it. And I think that, you know, Misha, she was, oh my God, so beautiful and 16 years old, which is insane. And everyone would set really good actors on the show. And like working with Brody, like Adam Brody, like taught me so much. And I just think all of it coming together really was wildly so, so successful. It's interesting that you, I wasn't expecting you to say that, but you said, I haven't found anything like that. What, what do you mean? Like, why do you feel like that experience helped you grow so much as a person or why was that so special to you? So it's, I was 21 when I booked that show and you know, I'm doing that rewatch podcast of it. So I'm watching it back and it's really hard to see yourself at 21 and now 41 watching it and how much life has happened in between. And I'm just like, oh my God, but it was such a special thing. You know, they keep saying like lightning in a bottle, like magic in a bottle, whatever, because it was, you can work on so many things and not all of them are going to be as successful or reach as many people or be, you know, that important or, or relevant or, or, you know, all the things that make a show a successful one. And it, it was really unique in that way. And of course I've worked quite a bit since, but yeah, I never really had that formula repeated. <laughs> That's really beautiful. And I have to say, I think it takes a lot of humility to just be honest about all of that because you have worked a ton since then. And Ralph Macchio was here a week ago and <laughs> I was like in tears. Cause you know, I'm 
two years older than you. So that was like my childhood, right? Oh, karate yeah. kid. And he will and, always forever be the karate yeah, kid. Yeah. And right? he like yeah. totally leans into that role, right? Like yeah. he just wrote a book about it. But a lot of actors, I could see where that could be a blessing and also a challenge because it's like, sure. guys, I've been acting for another 20 years since then. But I think it takes a lot of humility to be like, yeah, but what we all witnessed, I witnessed that too. And it is really special. And I think that just makes you even more whole as you are right now that you honor it. It's, it is an elephant in the room, right? It's like, it's super special. And now your life has other levels of specialness that aren't just about the roles you're playing, even though you continue to do beautiful work. It's like, the way you're reflecting on your life, the podcast, the other kinds of content creating, how you are in your life, in your home, like all of that gets to take also a front seat. And so, and that's equally, if not more major than that show, but I think it just says a lot about you. (laughs) It's always been so important to me to show gratitude because like, I literally would have nothing if it wasn't for that show and for Josh and making him laugh because I definitely was not what he was picturing as Marissa's best friend. (laughs) But yeah, you just have to remember, like, that was an experience that gave me everything I have today. And I know, some, of course, actors would be like, oh, I've done so much. Like, I don't want to be known as whatever. And I think even people from the show feel that way a lot of the time. But maybe as we've gotten older and you become parents and everything else, you're kind of like, oh, no, that was actually really great. <laughs> I love you. I love you so much. I said to you <laughs> when, you first, when we first started recording that you're so... You're, you're viscerally cool, like kind, oh my like God. anybody who, anyone like who's the best compliment ever. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And, and that's really, really your legacy. I think because when people watch <laughs> you in an interview, there's just, you're not trying to be cool. You're just a kind, cool person. And my question about that is that is almost surreal because look, we all have these like two parts of ourselves. We have like a consciousness, whatever that is, like our real self. And then we have an ego. We all build these egos, right? But when you're famous and gorgeous and you're recognizable, that must be a challenge because people are constantly projecting your ego to you and Mm -hmm. all the versions of your ego that they projected, Right. right? right? And so how do you think you have stayed really cool and grounded and humble <laughs> where like, you can't even go to like the grocery store without constantly oh, being reminded. I'm sure oh, that's I'm not sure that comes up. No, no, I, I, that is not true at all, but uh, <laughs> you know what? I think that in the business and if you have success in this business, ego is a really hard thing to keep in check. And right? I think especially gaining success at such an early age, it can really be detrimental in a lot of ways. Yeah. And confusing. Like who am I? Am I I this version of myself or some like more peaceful inside version of myself? Right. And also hearing every single person's opinion of you personally, and they don't actually know you. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. And now in this day and age with social media and anyone can comment and all this crap, it's like, So I was raised by a very supportive mother and I have a huge support system with my best friends that I've had for 30 years and grew up with. And my mom's quote growing up was always, it's none of my business what other people think of me. And I'm not saying I don't have my moments where I'm like, oh man, like, come on, you know, and and I'll read comments on Instagram and be like, and I definitely don't usually, it's something I'm I'm very conscious of, like not reading the troll shit because it's just some person bored. And, and I, and I definitely let things roll off my back a lot of the time. There's always a few things that might be triggering and, but you check yourself. 
So I think it's just growing up with such a, such an amazing support system and still having those people that have always been around, around me has been really helpful. I have to attribute a lot to it to my mom. And I know your mom is a sex therapist, right? She's like, she's a counselor in her area that she loves to talk about or what she specializes in is sex, you know? And, and that's always been awkward for me, but great for my friends who love to talk to her about all yeah. of it. But for me, I'm like, mom, no, 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 no. Like, please stop. Yeah. But that's so cool that your dad is a screenwriter, producer, person in the business and your mom has this understanding of what it takes to have intimacy. Cause really, mm-hmm. whether it's in the bedroom or not, I think yeah. It's about being comfortable in your own skin, right? That's probably from the 40,000 years of therapy I've had. Like that's a little bit of like what makes sex great or what makes any relationship is actually not being codependent. It's actually having that sense of yourself. And so you definitely embody that, which is so cool. And what you just said, I didn't, again, surprising things you're saying, because like, I forget that you would have trolls and things like that. I forget that that would be part of your experience, but of course that's part of your experience because the more visible person you are, there's always going to be people who are in the static and have their own people opinions about you. People love to have an opinion. <laughs> so your take-home message then to people who are listening, because so many people want to belong and they want to fit in and it's sure. crushing. And you've had, unfortunately, practice of like learning how to like not get so irritated and mm-hmm. deeply, you know, troubled by that. So what's your one take home message? Why are you able to do that? What do you think? I think, look, it's been a long time since, you know, the OC was on. So that would have been the first experience. And then we're talking 20 years. So I'm not saying that it was like easy right away, but I think with age and experience, you learn that none of it matters and it doesn't matter. And everyone's going to judge. People are so judgmental. Um, and like I said before, it's none of your business, what other people think. Yeah. So my, one of my best friends, one of the people that's been around 25 plus years who co-hosts broad ideas with me, Olivia, this is her first time kind of in that public space where she's getting all this feedback from assholes. And I'm like, Hey, I've been there. The best thing you can do is not read anything. Right. But then she's like, but there's so many amazing, like positive things. And I want to be able to take that in and respond to people whenever I'm like, okay, well, if you start reading something and right away, it's negative, just stop. So it's kind of like training yourself and training your brain, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's so liberating too, when you realize that everyone has their own experience and Mm -hmm. there's nothing you can do about it. And people are judgmental and we are too, right? Like I don't think I've ever, ever, ever taken the time to post something rude about anyone. Cause I right. just am not at that level, but I'm sure I've thought of things. So it's like, we let people have their experience and like, it's so liberating. You can just do you, you just mentioned your podcast and you actually have two, and I want to start to talk about them, <laughs> but your team reached out to make sure that we talked about a, uh, a, a pretty serious, important episode that you guys did re- recently. So oh, I want to I want to make sure that we circle back to it because clearly it was something you guys felt was important. And it is, I mean, it's very brave of you that you went there before we do, let's talk about broad ideas, first mm-hmm. of all, and why you wanted to launch this with Olivia. Why, why did you feel like there was something you needed to say in this podcast? You know, so obviously like having the experience, getting into the space and kind of getting comfortable with it, with the OC one, 
obviously that kind of came to fruition during the pandemic and it made a lot of sense. And then I'm a mom and I take it very seriously. And that's number one for me. And I saw this opportunity to create something that not only do I have all control over how I come across or what's being talked about or, you know, any of those things, I wanted to create a really safe space for, I mean, primarily women, but everyone to talk about things that maybe people think are taboo or are harder to talk about. And I wanted to show that, you know, everybody is human and everybody deals with the same things. And I just, I really wanted to create this space and and have this platform to be transparent because at 40, I'm like, listen, (laughs) things get better at 40. Like I think personally, and as a woman, especially like really feel like you're coming into your own. And I just thought there were things that, especially my best friends and I talk about that are real issues that aren't always spoken about so transparently. So it just created, it was this opportunity for us to have our best friend conversations, but with other people and topics that I felt were really important. That's really cool. And I love that you, (laughs) but yeah, very long. No, I love that you're doing that. And you're really doing it. Like it's one thing for someone to say, yeah, I created a podcast to sort of be transparent. And then a lot of people say that, but their podcasts are still extremely curated and right. there's a lot of, and yeah. yeah. And you guys are really having a conversation that you would have between the two of you and everybody mm-hmm. gets to be there. And that kind of content is so rare and so powerful because we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people thinking, oh, but she's a unicorn. Like she doesn't have these issues. She doesn't have this, she doesn't have that. And then when you actually say, no, this is what really happens for me. It's so, it gives people this sense that they're not alone. And that's the biggest pandemic more than coronavirus. People feel they're alone. People really feel so isolated in their own thoughts. And so as I was saying, you guys, you, you did a pretty important thing recently, um, having a conversation with Alexis and Gabby, Mm -hmm. that takes a lot of courage. What made you feel like I need to do this? You know, there's always been so much stuff out there on the bling ring. And it was like, it just came into the press once again, this documentary that came out and all of these things. And I have truthfully stayed very, very distant from it just because I I don't blame you had conflicting feelings. Like, why are we glorifying something, you know, that affected people so, you know, personally, I had a lot of issues and, you know, it was kind of like, I guess my age and the distance from the actual events and yet another thing coming up, I was like, you know what? I've definitely moved on from it as far as having feelings like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, because I was in my twenties at the time when it happened. And I think, was I? Probably. In, in one sentence, 30s. can you tell people in one sentence what it was? Cause some people might not know what the bling ring is mm-hmm. or was. Yeah. So the bling ring was a group of young kids who went into people's homes that were in the spotlight and robbed them of many things, um, myself included, a lot of uh, very high-end items and whatnot. So 
that happened in, I want to say it was 2009. I don't know. I could be wrong. As you literally just said that out loud. Yeah. I wanted to cry (laughs) because, because it's, um, I feel like my, my only feeling sometimes is empathy. Like I walk around with that. Well, that's what I struggled with when we had the interview with these girls, because I am such an empath and have so much compassion. So it was hard for me to sit on the other side and I have a hard time creating boundaries. And I was like, okay, I need boundaries with this and this conversation, but seeing, especially Gabby, who was 15 at the time that it happened, crying that she's held on to this for 15 years or however long it's been 12 years and, and just crying. And she's a mom and has two young kids. And all I wanted to do was like, and I did say some of these things, but I was just like, Oh my God, you have to let it go. You know? Oh my God. 15 years old. It's so (laughs) intense because people, we are all so judgmental. Sure. And people can have all kinds of judgments, you know, Mm -hmm. like, how could you forgive someone like that? Or that's what she should deserve. Or like the judgment of like, what a, like a 1% problem that like, right. And and I feel for both of you, I feel Mm -hmm. like just because somebody's pain, you don't think is this person's pain. That doesn't mean that's that, that felt good. That's traumatic. Like, especially when those things happen. And for her, I totally get that. I saw when uh, Michael Richards was on comedians in cars getting coffee yeah. and Jerry Seinfeld was like, Michael, you have to move on now. Wow. And he was like, I can't move on. I destroyed yeah. people. I'm the worst person. And I was in tears. I was like, this yeah. is all so much pain. It's so sad, right? So like much pain. Yeah. we have to be willing to see like, oh, right. Cause yeah. like the way we judge other people, we judge ourselves and we've all made maybe not those kinds of mistakes, but we, we right. were capable of making mistakes, but for still sure. it's so awful what happened. Yeah. And it was, and, it was yeah. horrible for you. <laughs> so what was that like? And what do you think your listeners got from hearing that whole episode? You know, honestly, it was more for like, just facing something that has been present on and off for a decade plus and facing it for myself and going into it as a mother now from a different perspective and a different place in life. It was more a conversation for myself more so than the listeners. Right. Because I was like, let's just do this. And I think the message behind it. Yes. It is very powerful to forgive and in situations that really maybe affect you. And I will say like going into it, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how I would react necessarily or what the conversation would be exactly. I just know that they went on Instagram and did a live and Gabby admitted to going into my house and, you know, burglarizing my home one night and she was wanting to apologize. And I was like, all right, look, like, let's put everything behind us. I'll hear what she has to say. We can have a conversation about it and officially move on. And I think it was more for her to move on because of how much she was carrying and how she felt tormented for so long. I was just like, honey, like, just let it go. (laughs) My husband and I were with Deepak Chopra this past weekend, meditating with him, which was amazing. He offered this one beautiful exercise around forgiveness at the end. And he said to everybody, he's like, the next time something happens and you are angry about it, 
I want you to do a couple of things. One, write it down, journal what just happened from your perspective, get it out. Then he's like, watch this. I want you to journal from the other person's perspective, what just happened. Wow. And then he said, just by doing that, I want you to know from my research and he's a medical doctor, right? He's like, you just improved your immunity by doing that. And then he said, I want you to burn it, what you wrote. Mm-hmm. And then I want you to celebrate that you burned it and let it go. Amazing. And he's like, and you literally will have a biological upgrade. And he was talking about how toxic it is for us, literally on a cellular level, how much toxicity that puts mm-hmm. into our body. Yeah. And if we only knew that, like if you could see the science and he was showing it to us, mm-hmm. he said, you would never hold on to that because you're actually getting sick. Right. I was like, wow, like that was so powerful. It's so powerful. And it's so true. And I grew up, my mom's very spiritual and in our household, it was always like anything like that. Right. The, the anger, jealousy, all of those things, it is a toxin in your body. And she would always tell me, if you're having feelings, write them all out, write a letter to the person, burn it after, you know, it's kind of all that same mentality, but writing from the other person's perspective is brilliant because it creates such a different, you know, there's, there's empathy there. There's maybe understanding or whatever it may be. And it helps release it out of you. You're just so cool, Rachel. I mean, oh my no, it, I mean, yeah. it's really, really cool that you were willing to publicly confront all uh-huh. that and then try to hold space for her, even while you're, you know, in your own process, if everybody could do that work, <laughs> everyone who's listening, like even when you go home for Thanksgiving, right? Like how many people at that table could you afford to clear energy with, right? We can all gain from the courage that you have to do this and everything else. Let's also talk about welcome to the OC and this podcast. Do you find that going through it, it's almost like bittersweet because you miss, yeah. So yeah, it makes you kind of revisit a lot of your past, which can be bittersweet because for many reasons, right? You get older and, and you start reflecting and thinking about all the things and as a whole, like super happy with my life. And I don't really believe in regrets or holding grudges and whatnot. So, but it was really bizarre to see myself at that age and remembering what that time in my life was like. Yeah. It was an, and it was an adjustment period. And then finally, like through the first season, I was kind of adapting. And then once I got through it, I was like, okay. And I just went with it and I'm enjoying the show. <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine because we all have had our own journeys, but then to be in the public eye and then also to have had a relationship that was public, I mean, yeah. a, a few of those, but like, <laughs> especially having a relationship come out of that experience because what I've learned about relationships and my parents are divorced and I feel like I went through that divorce because I was 12. So I was like mm. very much in it. And then I was engaged to my college boyfriend and broke up oh, and wow. I've just had like my own moments, but like, I can't imagine having that. And then knowing that the world is having an opinion about <laughs> how painful that experience, because even when you end a relationship, it's like that line from wicked where she says, you'll be with me like a handprint on my heart. Oh, because when you love, it makes me cry. But when you love somebody that love doesn't go away. And so what then you have to deal with is like, 
oh, well, that was like the end of that dream. The dream died. And like, that wasn't a fit, but it doesn't like anyone who would say they don't love that person is lying because they're in so much pain because it doesn't matter what ends that doesn't end. And so I can only imagine how hard that is for you. And I'm, I'm so, I'm just sorry that you have to feel pain because I know what pain feels like. And you've had to deal with that with everyone, with the whole world watching you. And so (laughs) what do you think you've taken away from those relationships and where are you at with that now? How do you sort of sit with all of it as you look back? I will say therapy is a godsend. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, I think that there's lessons in everything. And I've definitely taken things from each relationship, each breakup, each experience that has helped form me into, I don't know what the word is for it, but able to deal with what I feel like it could be anything, right? Like the stronger, the survival instincts, all of it come into play because you've lived so much life. And yes, like there were relationships I had in the public eye, but I wouldn't take anything back, even the pain or whatever it might be that, that was caused by any of the situations. I wouldn't take anything back because I would be a different person if I did. And watching like the OC and watching Adam and I like, I am such a fan, you know? And I thought, I love Seth and Summer on the show and I'm really enjoying watching it. And there's nothing but positive feelings. And with any relationship I I have, I have no animosity, no negativity. I feel great about every single situation, but it takes work. Cause I'm not saying everything was always peachy and glorious, but it just, it takes work. And to come out on the other side, it feels much better to have positive feelings and it kind of is like what we were saying about forgiveness and stuff or whatever it may be, but it feels way better to have positive feelings and negative feelings towards anyone. I heard Dustin Hoffman talking once about Kramer versus Kramer and that scene at the end where Meryl Streep and him are, they meet at the elevator Mm -hmm. and he wipes this tear away from her cheek and he goes, that was the realest moment because we both started to cry and that was not in the script. He's like, we just both felt even though it was the right thing, how sad it was. And that's my experience. Like having, my dad is so much better. The woman he is married to, my mom even says it. She's like, (laughs) that's his soulmate. (laughs) She's like, my dad has cancer now. And the way she takes care of him, this woman, Marty, they've been together for 20 years. I admire it. My mom's like, I didn't have that to give to him. And he didn't have that to give to me. And she's like, and they are, and my mom's friends with them now. It took years, yeah. but the point is it's, it's still painful and evolved though. it is evolved and it took years, but for you, what have you learned in your own reflections, going to therapy, living your life? What do Mm -hmm. you feel for you is the secret to what makes, what makes a relationship good? Like, what is it that you realize you're you are looking to create in a relationship that makes it feel healthy and good for you. I think support is a huge part of it. Feeling supported, being able to talk to someone about absolutely any and everything. And I've been in relationships where there are times you don't feel like you've been a hundred percent be totally yourself and you're guarded or if it's eggshells or whatever it may be. Like I've been in situations like that before in my life, but I think that, from the jump, like just being who you are unapologetically 
and coming with that is the most important thing in any relationship. And I hope that the other person does the same, but yeah, I think feeling supported and feeling like you both are on the same page, same wavelength, however you want to look at it. Yeah. And I think you can tell within the first six months, I'd say you'll know. Yeah, totally. I heard, do you know who Gary Zukoff is? Like a spiritual guy. He wrote this book called Seed of the Soul and he Mm -hmm. was on Oprah more than anybody. (laughs) And uh, I heard his, his wife just passed away, but I heard her talking about how when you break up with someone eventually you find this authentic power inside of you that you realize whatever pain showed up, it was a gift because it shined a light on what you weren't looking at, that you can then really find this true authentic state of power Mm -hmm. inside yourself. And I was like, oh, that's such a invigorating way to then look at, you know, how that pain was like a gift because it it showed you something that was for you. Yeah. So last questions as we're sort of wrapping up in terms of acting, because you're such a great actress. What do you think, what would be something that you think when you're, because you even said it about casts that you've worked with. Why do you think people are great actors or not? What do you think is the secret sauce? (sighs) There's so many different types of actors, right? And there's so many different ways to approach things. I can only speak personally. And I'm not saying like I'm some amazing actress by any means, but what I will say is I really enjoy being somebody else sometimes, but always putting a piece of myself in it. Yeah. So it becomes more natural, more, you know, something that's inside me that's coming out because I can not always relate to it because I'm, you know, villains or whatever, you don't want to be like, Oh, that's inside me. But you know, there's a truth to that. And I think bringing a piece of yourself makes it unique and it's also really fun. Totally fun. You know? So speaking of fun, as you look ahead at the next five, 10, 15, whatever years, so, you know, what are you really dreaming about? Like from a creative standpoint, what would be sort of like the biggest wish for you to create or make or do. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is all I really care about in life is my daughter and being a mom. So for me to find any success and like, that's part of the idea with broad ideas is starting something and growing something and showing her, you know, even if she gets, you know, grumpy, if I'm working, but showing her that moms work and succeed and, my biggest wish is just to create a very comfortable, happy life for my kid and showing her that you can do it on your own. That is such a beautiful answer. I love that so much. I mean, it might sound like, you know, cliche or whatever, but it's just like, that's all that matters to me in my life is my daughter. That's it. Like, that's, that's all it is. And I love that so much. Deepak was also saying that like, the ego craves these like super high highs, mm. but the soul just wants this place of equanimity. Like mm. all it craves is like this steady peace. And it's kind of impressive, you know, like even after you've been, you've been in the eye of like so many moments where it's like what people think is the best life 
has to offer, right? Mm -hmm. Passion, creativity, Mm -hmm. all the yummiest things materially and a sense of fulfillment spiritually, right? Mm -hmm. And for you to have had that and say, I really want this life. That's a model for her period. Like that's the (laughs) mic drop. No, it's anything to do with like my kid. It's like, how old is she? She's turning eight this month. It's so fun. You're such a good mom. Oh God. And you're such a cool person. And I, I don't think it's an overstatement. I think it's really the truth. I don't think it's a compliment. I think it's really the truth. And I'm, I'm so happy for her that all the courage it took for you to like move through this journey she reaps all the rewards of that courage and that you can like, I don't know, show her like those levels of like coming to terms with what really means the most in this world. Like you save her so much grief. So cool. Thank you so much for saying that and saying all of that just really like hits, you know, just Cause I haven't really thought about it to that level. It's just like, I just keep doing what I do for her. And you know, what else is there in life? Nothing really. Right. Yeah. There's nothing else. Tell everybody where they can find both the podcasts and where they can follow along and be in the journey. Um, Broad ideas. You can listen to it anywhere, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, and same with the welcome to the OC bitches. (laughs) So like, Oh, which podcast? Take your pick. Um, but yeah, we're pretty active Instagram. The broad ideas pod on Instagram is pretty active. So it's good to check that out. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're so sweet. Thank you for today. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. So good to talk with Rachel. All right. Here are the takeaways. Number one, it's none of your business. What other people think of you. Number two, we're all human and we all deal with the same things. Number three, whatever mistakes you made in the past, let it go. Forgive yourself and move on. Number four, the next time something happens that makes you angry, write it down. Journal what happened from your perspective. Journal about it from the other person's perspective and then burn it. Free yourself from the toxicity. Number five, there's lessons in everything, each relationship, each breakup, every experience that has formed you. Number six, it feels way better to have positive feelings and negative feelings towards anyone. And number seven, when it comes to any relationship, the most important thing is unapologetically being who you are. Thank you so much for listening. I know that there's just so much that you could be doing instead of listening to this show. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Your time is everything. It means so much to me that you spend it here. If you want to make sure that you get the great episodes that are coming up, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening. And if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other 650 plus episodes that we've done, then please let us know. You can leave us a review. You can leave us a rating. It doesn't cost you anything to leave a review. And it means so much to me that you do that. So this week, I want to offer everybody pumpkin spice lattes or any of your favorite Starbucks drinks. So what we're going to do is go ahead and leave us a review and send us a screenshot of the review that you leave. You can send it to me at my Instagram DMs at kathy.heller. And then I will send you back a barcode so that you can go get your favorite fall or any kind of Starbucks drink on me. And if you know somebody who's a fan of Rachel's or the OC, or they would find this conversation really interesting, then go ahead and 
send them the link or text them the link or post about this on your Instagram. And you can tag Rachel at Rachel Bilson. You can also tag me at Kathy.Heller. And last thing I want to remind you, Abundant Ever After is an incredible program that will change your relationship to abundance. It will change your mindset around money, but it will also change the way you actively right now show up in your life so that you allow money and wealth and all the riches that already exist, you allow it in. You are going to be talking about this program. You're going to be saying, I'm so glad I did this. This is the last program that you're probably ever going to say that you needed to do when it comes to wealth, money, manifesting. It's so good. And right now you can get it at a discount if you go to kathyheller.com slash join. So go ahead and check that out. I love you. I'll leave you with a song of mine. I'll talk to you guys. Have a great weekend. Joe